The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Thanks for joining us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. better get healthy and help animals welcome to main street vegan with your host victoria moran one way to get a preview of what the future might bring is to see where the venture capitalists the top companies and the r&d guys put their money just gotta follow the money and also the flavor. Now, obviously, there are innovations happening all over food, but the most important innovations in food are in meat, or more to the point, replicating and or replacing it, or more basically, keeping the meat, but removing the animal. Capitalism is vegan, people. The money is flowing in, and it's not going towards new ways of shredding chickens and cows. That comes from my favorite book of the moment, and that is Vodka is Vegan by Matt and Phil Letton, the vegan bros, and they just happen to be my guests today. I'm so, so happy to have them and also happy to have you listening in on our good old radio show. Now, we actually are a good old radio show. And that means that we can actually take callers if it happens that you are listening on a Wednesday afternoon somewhere in the U.S. of A. or Wednesday evening across the Atlantic. We have a new phone number, 816-251-3555. Again, that's 816-251-3555. Now, because Matt and Phil are actual brothers and they're in the same room or at least on the same Skype, we're just going to talk all the way through this show and not have any breaks later on. So I've got a couple of announcements right now before we get started. First, the blog this week at MainStreetVegan.net comes from Sharon Nazarian of BigCityVegan.com, and it's about why you might want to think of Get out of your big city and visiting a farmed animal sanctuary. Sounds like a great idea to me. You know what we're doing this summer? 
we are renting a car because, you know, we live in New York. We don't have a car. We kind of still remember how to drive them, my husband and I. We're going to take our dog Forbes to Canada because he is really afraid of fireworks. So we're going to kind of go after Canada Day and before Independence Day. And when we're up there, we'll also get to meet our adopted borough, Kevin, at the borough sanctuary of Canada. So see, it's a good way to get a vacation and see some animals who are ambassadors for those who are still stuck in the terrible system that we are all trying to change. Um, now, do subscribe at MainStreetVegan.net because if you do, you'll get a really cool ebook, Three Steps to Rocking a Vegan Lifestyle. And finally, before we get into the tempe of the program, a shout out to dietitian Pamela Ferguson, PhD, and no meat athlete Matt Fraser, the developers of Complement which is a supplement by vegans and for vegans that gives you B12, D3, and that algae-based omega-3 that your body can actually use without having to translate anything, the DHA and the EPA. And this is all in a convenient spray that you can think about once a day. And that's it. Then you just go out and save the world or whatever else you're doing. You can find out more about Compliment at alpineorganics.co. And if you want to get some and you put in the discount code MAINSTREETVEGAN in all caps, you are going to get a big old 10% right off your order. So to your health. Okay, here's what you've been waiting for. And I know a lot of you have been waiting for this. The composer of our wonderful um, theme song, Vegan Girls, um, Rob is over there in the UK. I know listening to this because he has been saying, when are they going to be on? When are they going to be on? So yes, Rob Mills, composer, musician, they are on. And everybody else, even if you're not a composer or a musician, they are on. Who are they? Matt and Phil Letton, the vegan bros, two actual brothers who grew up in a small farm town about an hour outside of Detroit. Now, they were actually raised to think that people who didn't eat meat were bad. And so it's really interesting that now the Guardian refers to them as the face of the new wave of veganism. So anything can happen. They're bloggers, they're entrepreneurs, they're authors, and they've been featured all over the media, Vice, Business Insider, the BBC, and their book, Vodka is Vegan, a manifesto for better living and not being a word that starts with a vowel that we're not going to say on a church channel, but you'll find it when you order the book, which you need to do right now so you will get it as soon as it's published. And The Independent calls this book the antithesis to the evangelical narrative that isolates so many people from a plant-based lifestyle. With a loyal online following that's growing fast, the vegan bros are on a mission to usher in the age of vegan world domination. Welcome, Matt and Phil. We are so excited to be here. Thanks so much for having us. And thank you for everything you've done over the years with, you know, with your book and with your brand and with your radio show. We appreciate it. Uh, thank you. Thank well, you so much. Uh, well, it's wonderful to connect with you and to just see 
how you're getting out there into the world with this message. And I also agree with you on a whole lot of things. And it's nice to interview people that I agree with, although I interview those I don't agree with, too. So let's start at the very beginning, a very good place to start. You were little boys in Michigan eating meat. What happened? Yeah, I mean, well, we're, uh, where do we start with that? Yeah, we, 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 we were raised, raised eating meat at basically every single meal. I mean, I don't think we, ever, we even met a vegetarian until probably after I, after I went, after I stopped eating meat when I was uh, 16, which that was about 14 years ago. Yeah, we, we, we were around hunters yeah. and grew up fishing, but we had, I think we had only heard about vegetarians. And really, all we had heard about vegetarians is basically that they were essentially bad people. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, eventually, you know, one thing led to the next. I, I, I eventually got a leaflet at a concert when I was 16. This is Phil talking, right? This is Phil. This is Phil. Yes. Yeah, I know this because I read the book. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's funny <laughs> that you remember that. That's perfect. Yeah. So I got a leaflet at a concert when I was 16, and it basically is a vegan outreach leaflet, and it showed how animals were treated on factory farms, and it was like, you know, up until that point, I had no idea that, that was happening. And so, even though I had heard all this negative stuff about vegetarians growing up, um, this this leaflet definitely had an impact on me. But I went home. And I talked to my parents about it and I'm 16 at the time and this is like rocking my world. And I still want to believe that, you know, like everything my parents have taught me and all this stuff, you know, they're, you know, they're right about everything. Um, and so I go home, show them this leaflet and they're, you know, their, their reaction is this is all propaganda. It's not like this in all the farms, you know, they're the standard things that people thought way, you know, 14 years ago, it wasn't, you know, standard information to know this stuff. Fast forward, I got the leaflet a couple more times over the next year, and eventually I went home and just Googled some stuff on my own, Googled like Slaughterhouse video, and it came across a PETA, PETA video called Meet Your Meat, and the video, I mean, it's just, we don't need to talk about it, we don't need to go in depth about it, but it was, you know, I had no idea that that stuff was happening, I was just horrified, and from that point forward, I gave up meat, and, uh, you know, then, then we entered a new phase where I became, I became sort of like an abrasive vegetarian. And, you know, my brother and Matt, you know, he's kind of reacting to that and not, you know, not, he's kind of the opposite end. I'm, I'm like the abrasive vegetarian and he's like this, you know, anti-vegetarian. So, so at this point, you know, Phil had started to change. Um, I was kind of at the end of high school and going into college and straight up, like I was the, I was the stereotype of like the angry sort of militant anti-vegan person so i'm the guy when somebody's talking about being vegetarian or vegan who like kind of gets upset yells at them and you know maybe screams bacon a few times um and eats a steak in front of them like i was i was that stereotype and so you know as phil started to change there was sort of like a clash of the titans in our household when like we would both be home from college uh at our parents house for dinner occasionally our mom would actually make a vegan meal. And you know, there's a lot of accidentally vegan meals that meat eaters eat all the time, like spaghetti. I mean, there's Oreos, like there's tons of stuff that we just eat without even thinking about whether it's vegan or not. Now, if our mom brought the meal to the table and just said, Hey, here's spaghetti, I'm going to eat it and it's fine. But sometimes she would make a meal and would come to the table and say, Hey guys, I made a vegan meal for Phil. <laughs> I, would, I would literally get upset yell yell a little bit stand up leave the house and like go to taco bell or wendy's <laughs> that was me and so the the interesting thing is phil had actually begun to change as a person where he had gone through this transformation of 
grown, he had grown up very shy and socially awkward and through, you know, basically learning about uh, factory farming and how terrible it was, he started to want to have a bigger impact. And as he started to volunteer and learn how to be more effective, a better communicator and all that, he stopped being, uh, like he stopped being combative with me. And therefore I sort of became less combative. And through, you know, I was going through a transformation of my own. And during this time, I had sort of just begun to kind of let my guard down and, and be open to some differences, be, be open to like, hey, maybe the world's not the way I thought I was raised to believe that it was. And he suggested one day that he wanted to watch a documentary on HBO and it was called Death on a Factory Farm. Now, the difference between this and every other time before is that he would before he would demand he would be like you need to watch this you need to watch this you have to see what's happening and this time he changed his tone he just said hey there's this documentary i'm thinking about checking out and so the way the way that works is i'm like i'm one of those guys who thinks it's cool to have hbo and be able to watch documentaries on hbo so he appealed to me and i'm like hey hey what's the name of the documentary i want to watch it and that was that was like that was where everything changed um it was a. We watched the documentary. It was a documentary about uh, the way uh, pigs were treated on factory farms. It was an undercover investigation, and I was completely similar to Phil. I was completely horrified, and that began my, you know, the wool proverbial wool, um, you know, falling away from your eyes, and you really start to see uh, what's really going on. And that's I, I remember messaging him. AOL Instant Messenger was still a thing, and in the middle of watching one of these videos, I said. Oh my gosh, I'm not going to be able to eat meat anymore. And those were my famous last words. I got him. (laughs) (laughs) And that is a really interesting explanation of why you have this really nice take on the whole kind of political correctness. And I'm also glad that you used what a lot of vegans would say is a politically incorrect phrase when you said pull the wool over somebody's eye. (laughs) Oh, yeah, exactly. Oh, because this is the kind of thing that, as you say so eloquently in Vodka is Vegan, is what makes a lot of people who are just thinking about this for the first time think, no, I'm going to go think about doing some other good thing. Hmm. Exactly. Put, yeah. Put very well. Yeah. And it's like, it's like you want to relate to people in, in whatever way you can. Like, I mean, that's key. That, and, and that's, I mean, that's a real, that, that's a real key. You want to relate in human relationships. We want to relate people. We want to bridge the gap as much as possible. We don't want and to. And a lot of times what happens with what you're saying with getting very, like very nitpicky about certain phrases, because, you know, I mean, let's not even get to explain, <laughs> explaining why you should or shouldn't say those words, because it's really a moot point, but it's like getting into that stuff. It just, it, it creates more division rather than creates more connection. And that's really, I think what we started to see is, I mean, like you clearly, it's like, we're on the same page of like, let's bridge the gap. Let's find the things that we have in common. Let's see the similarities. Yeah. We're far more similar than we are different. We just sort of have these upbringings, backgrounds, and, and, yeah. you know, ways we're raised growing up that inform who we are right now. But maybe who we really are is someone who's maybe all of us really at the core are kind people who are seeking love and acceptance and want to share that with other people. They just haven't had the opportunity. And maybe as men, we don't think that we're allowed to do that because we're supposed to be guys without emotions. Yeah, there's a lot to that. So just before we leave the upbringing part, and then I want to get back to the when vegans can be annoying thing. But 
when you were growing up and learning that people who didn't eat meat were somehow bad, what was bad about them? Was so, there anything kind of specific? So, I mean, we grew up in what some people would probably consider like a quasi cult on like the extreme, 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 extreme fringe of Christianity. We hesitate to say we hesitate to say Christianity because people can characterize that we're yeah. like discussing that yeah, yeah, yeah. religion and we're not. This was on, I mean, this was the on the edges. Fringe. Yeah, this is the fringe of the very, very far fringes. But, you know, in, in, in religion, in religion yeah. generally, you know, people can use different, uh, you know, script, scriptures and stuff like that to co- kind of interpret to their own use. And we remember um, a, there, was a, there was a verse in Romans that our pastor would use to essentially insinuate that people who don't eat meat have weak faith. And yeah. I just remember as a child, I remember as a child being in church camp, which, uh, uh, w- which was an interesting experience. I remember being there and just remembering, feeling like I had realized that like vegetarians go to hell. Yeah. So, so that, I mean, that's, that's, that's sort of how, how we grew up. And so when, when I stopped eating meat, I mean, everyone, everyone in our church, I mean, they thought it was, I mean, it's like, I'm a, I'm a bad person now. I'm, I'm the bad person. Um, so that was, you know, that was a crazy experience, but what we're happy, we're happy to see today is we're happy to see, you know, mainstream Christianity mm-hmm. and like you know, lead, leaders, like even like Franklin Graham and people like that who are, who are going vegan. So I it's know like, it, it's, it's amazing, amazing, isn't it? It's amazing. <laughs> I'm working with a, a wonderful filmmaker in, in Florida, Thomas Jackson, on a film that will be out at the end of the year called A Prayer for Compassion, which is mm-hmm. to interest people of faith, of all kinds of faiths, um, in vegan living. Because it's time. You know, it's time. Well, it, we it we all time. love the animals we know. It's time. Exactly. It's time and it's happening. I mean, it's I love that. Like, I love that. And that's that's indicative of that. I mean, what what is it? That's at the root. That's what we're all trying to get to with religion and with spirituality and with trying to understand life. It's that's at the root. You know, sharing compassion is how you is how you receive compassion. You have to be the first one to give it and then you receive. And that's the root of it all. So we feel like, man, it's coming full circle right now and everything's coming together. Yeah. And we're excited to see just so many different spiritual leaders and just people from all different walks of life. Just I mean, nowadays, they're just going vegan in droves. So we're we're loving it. Well. Hallelujah. But sometimes <laughs> vegans get annoying. So you guys cover <laughs> that so well. So just so that all of us who really do want to share this idea, this wonderful way of life with others, what can we do that's really annoying and counterproductive? I think, so I, just talking from my personal experiences, because when, so when I first stopped eating meat, that was, that was one thing where I kind of, I think I was a little bit annoying, but I wasn't like super annoying. And honestly, straight up when I, when I went vegan, I went vegan 11 years ago. And honestly, part of what held me back is like feeling like when you go vegan, you have to become annoying. And so when I, <laughs> it's straight up, it's and a that, weird thing. It's and, weird. And it it's, does come, it comes from the way that you learn it. It's like anything in life. If who you're emulating is that way, chances are that is the way that you're the path that you're going to go down, at least for a period of time. Yeah. And, and so the, I went down this path, it, it probably like hardcore. I went down this path just for like the first three to six months. And then I read a, an article written by Matt Ball, who is one of the co-founders of vegan outreach. It's called a meaningful life. And he just went down the list of just like, you know, 
things that he thought, you know, vegans could, could, if they changed their tune on, it can make things better. So it was like, you know, things like be more positive and don't make a big deal out of, you know, don't be nitpicky um, about different things. And I mean, to me, to me, um, I guess the first, the first thing is, is having a positive, positive mindset a positive mental attitude. So I think one of the things that vegans are, are really known for is, you know, being negative, being down in the dumps, you know, animals are being sl- tortured and slaughtered and we're, you know, we're just, we're upset about it and it's understandable, but it's like the animals are, ca- the animals are counting on us to be like, you know, positive ambassadors for them. And we can't, if we're down in the dumps, people aren't going to be persuaded to come to our side, but if we're happy, we're positive, we're enjoying life, people are drawn to that because they want to enjoy life. Um, so it's like, it's almost like it's a shift in mindset using what's happening to animals and, and, oh changing that to, to a lot of times there's this accidental thing that happens with vegans. And honestly, this can happen with any type of social cause where they're trying to correct a negative. There can be this accidental thing that occurs because you care so much. You can get caught up in trying to rather than encourage, encourage positivity, encourage more compassion. What we end up doing is we we end up almost spreading misery and trying to attract people in with misery. And the reality yeah. is most people are not going to be attracted to misery. Is misery going on? Are there billions of, of animals being tortured and killed? Yes. How can we solve this? How can we resolve this the fastest? It's, it's by establishing a lifestyle and a life of our own that's happy, joyous, and fulfilled. And when we're spreading that and we're attracting that into our lives, I mean, the world just explodes with that. That's crazy. And, and there's more. We can go. We can go further in other stuff too. Well, I would be interested in some of the specifics. I know in in your chapter about eating out, you say that some of the things that you really shouldn't be doing, in your opinion, is ask: Is the beer vegan? Is the bread vegan? Right. Are the vegetables cooked on the same grill as the meat? So, talk about that. I mean, I think one of the keys is we don't, we want a lot of, when I first went vegan, I prided myself on, it's like, I'm willing to sacrifice for the animals. It's really, really, really hard to be vegan, but I'm going to do it anyways, because I care so much. I care way more than everyone else. And it's like, to me, that's a delusion. I was deluded. Everyone, most people are opposed to animal abuse and they learn about this. They're, they're horrified. But one of the, I mean, and there's, there's, it's complex and there's various things that hold people back. And I think one of the things that holds people back is the thought that like eating vegan is really, 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 really hard. And I think vegans, vegans feed that narrative by, you know, when they eat out, they grill their server when they're, they're eating out with a bunch of their friends and they're grilling their server. Like they don't want their vegetables to be cooked on the same grill as the meat. They're asking if the beer's vegan. They're asking if the bread's vegan. They're asking like all these different questions of the servers. And the point when you're when you're in front of other people, you want to be making eating vegan appear as if it's easy. Appear as if like people don't even necessarily know that you're. Even, it's just so easy that they don't even realize you're vegan until they see your food, and then it's, and the food looks delicious too. Um, but it just appears as if it's this easy, like effortless thing almost. And we we learned we actually learned this early on because you know, like we said, we grew up in a we grew up in like a, a small kind of farm town, like, a, like, you know, on the outs, on the, on the outskirts of the suburbs, you know, like out, outside of the suburbs, really, really by the farmland. And, you know, fi- you know, Phil stopped eating meat 14 years ago. For me, it was about, uh, I think I was, I've been vegan about nine. eight years, eight or nine years. And, you know, we went vegan in this small town in Howell, Michigan. And for us at that time, 
many may, people don't believe this because of perceptions. Possibly, it was easy. easy. <laughs> it was easy for us, and we, you know, we 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 actually loved. It was it was it was fun for us to go to places with our friends that they wanted to go, and they weren't vegan yet. We would go to those places and just find things to eat and show them how easy it was and not grill the server and not ask a lot of questions because, you know, we don't, we don't need to. And we're trying to exude this, this effortless, easy lifestyle because it, that's our truth. It is. We went vegan in a small town and it is easy. I think some think sometimes we can just get caught up in, you know, caught up in the legalistic aspect of it. Like where these, where there's like 50 billion ingredients, we need to grill, we need to grill the server about everything yeah. on the grill and everything in between and what's happening when we do that? That server is getting a bad vibe from us. They could be spreading that to the kitchen. Could be spreading it. I mean, and your the, friends the at the same, table. Your friends at the table. They're are, seeing what you're doing. That. The same way, your a positive message can be amplified. A negative message can be amplified. And I think we need to be really mindful about that in any in anything we're doing, especially when it involves other people. And it's like the focus. To me, the focus needs to be on what. What is causing the, the most amount of animal suffering? Yeah. And if you can just speaking about just all animals in, in general, it's like when you combine all aspects of animal suffering, you know, fur, leather, animal testing, all these different, all these different ways that animals are exploited, farm animals account or animals who were exploited and killed for food account to 98 to 99% of those animals. And then to go further, what are the ingredients that cause the most amount of suffering? You know, it's meat, fish, dairy, eggs. And, you know, maybe there's some other – you can throw in some other ingredients here, here and there. But those are the main. But those are the main ingredients, and it's like that's where we need to keep our focus. So we, need, we don't need to be nitpicking the server. We need to be, stay focused on, on reducing as much suffering as possible and making, eat, making eating vegan and, like, vegan eating look as easy as possible. Which, yeah, which it is which, which goes to, like, the concept of, you know, getting out of the minutia and, and not worrying so much about perfectionism. Yeah, that's a big one. I think sometimes it's easier to think about how perfectly did I do rather than what did I do today to make this a kinder world. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. And it, yeah, it's, I mean, and a lot of times, a lot of times appearing perfect. I mean, it, it has an, it has a negative, like, it makes you feel good. Cause I'm, oh, I'm sacrificing. I'm doing, doing this for the animals. I'm, I'm hardcore about this. But it's like, when you think about the impact it's had on other people that have watched you be that person you know, it ends up hurting more, hurting animals. And this, and this, you can, you can, you know, easily picture. And we've seen this play out with, you know, ve- like with, you know, vegan friends of ours who are kind of negotiating things is, you know, they can see, you know, maybe, maybe they've tried to influence some of their friends. Right. And one of their friends comes up to them and they're like, like, dude, I, I ate, I ate a V ve- or I, I ate a, I ate, I got Sofritas. I got a Sofritas bowl at Chipotle last night, which Sofritas is like the, a vegan protein that um, Chipotle puts out, which is really good. It's to- braised tofu. Um, so they're like, "Hey, hey, man, I got a you know, I got a Sofritas bowl at Chipotle last night. Oh, that's oh, that's awesome, dude. Did you did you get cheese in it? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, dude, that's not vegan then. It's like you can easily see how like so 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 the opposite. What we would do, yeah. is hey, dude, I got I got a Sofritas bowl at Chipotle last night. Whoa, holy crap! Oh my gosh, I mean, you're amazing. <laughs> like. We just That's the out. most amazing thing we we've just, ever heard, dude. Yeah, we you are just, awesome. And that that goes along. You know, that's what a lot of marketers in the marketing world know. It's known as the foot in the door technique, where you get someone to take us take a small action in the right direction toward the end goal. Which is, you know, in, in our case, the end goal is for them to go vegan. And the small action it could be anything from a vegan meal, eating vegan one day a week, you know, meatless Mondays, you know, all that stuff. 
So if someone eats vegan one meal and they're telling you about it, you need to freak out. If you want them to go vegan, you need to freak out when they do mm. that because then they're going to be a million times more likely to, to go all the way later. And we've seen it happen over and over and over and over again in our lives. You know, Matt, you know, I've been vegan 14 years. Matt went vegan. We have cousins, aunts, uncles. Both our parents are vegan now. Friends, acquaintances. I mean, like people are just random, going, random, yeah, just random people, people everywhere we go. Random people, and it, you know, and, and that's. I mean, that is key. A great, a great visual. Just, just a visual representation that that is really interesting is um, when parents, when parents are potty training their kids. What, what we use, like what parents are taught to use, is you praise. You praise overwhelmingly when things go well. But you don't but you make you don't make it a big deal when they don't. Right? So like if you start shaming them for the bad, they start feeling bad and things never get better. Or things get better. Like, you know, that's where kids struggle with it later in life. Yeah. And the same thing the, the that, same that thing can be can be applied to adults, yeah, for, for veganism. <laughs> That's awesome. And, I, and neither of us have kids, so we're, so we're clearly experts on pot training children. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you're practicing ahead of time. It's always good to be prepared for life's bigger challenges. <laughs> a while back, I don't know if it was a year ago, two years ago, something, I kept hearing whenever I would go to vegan events, oh, did you hear about the vegan bros? Did you hear about the controversy with the vegan bros? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's such a controversy. And then somebody said it had something to do with honey. <laughs> and I thought, this is why it's hard to make the change complete. Tell me about the controversy and what happened. And I hope it didn't have to do with honey. I mean, we, there's, there's been various controversies, I guess. And I, think, and I think to a large degree, we're removed from the controversy yeah, yeah. because we're doing our own thing. However, like, yeah, we don't, I mean, honestly, straight up when we, when controversy, other people are telling us about the controversy because we don't like, we're just on a mission. We don't honestly, this isn't about to us. This has nothing to do with being liked, being hated, being, you know, whatever. This is about us. This is about doing, us fulfilling our calling, fulfilling our, yeah, we're fulfilling our mission. Of, you know, we want to do as do as much positive, have a big, have as big of a positive impact on the world as possible and help as many animals as possible. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, you know, that, and that's one of the things it's like, because I mean, it's insane to me that this is still right. controversial. Yeah. I, mean, I went, I stopped, eating meat, I stopped eating meat 14 years ago. We had already learned that we needed back before I stopped eating meat. We already knew then that we need to stop making a big deal on honey. Like they had already figured the veterans of this movement had already figured this out before I ever even stopped eating meat, it's 14, 14 years since then has passed and people are still making a big deal out of it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But it's like, it's like straight up. That's that's vegan advocacy. One Oh one. I don't yeah. like we're at, we're at a point. Yeah. We don't, we're not debating that anymore. Like we're at, we're at vegan. We're discussing on a day to day basis. We're discussing vegan advocacy level 10 million, right? That's vegan advocacy. One Oh one. Like, like that was, that was figured out before we ever stopped eating meat. We learned from the experts. We learned from the people who had already figured it out and achieved the results. And, you know, now we're going from there and, but it's like, man, the vegan, the vegan community, like you need to, that's just something you need to wrap your mind around so you can go to the next level and, and, and achieve the results that, you know, what an example of just, you know, what an example of getting, I mean, getting bogged, talk about getting bogged down, yeah. you know? And, and like you said, I mean, you heard it, you know, you were, you were sort of like, oh my gosh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and that's, and that's really, I mean, to, to, to be honest, that's how we feel. Um, yeah. that's how we feel about it. Yeah. I, I mean, it's like, it's like the average person, I mean, the average person, people are going vegan in droves now, you know, nowadays, but you know, there's still the average person. They eat meat on a daily basis, like and, three times a day, yeah, three times, maybe three times a day. 
And, you know, to them, giving up meat is, you know, that sounds, that sounds hard. And it potentially even, maybe it doesn't sound as, it doesn't really sound crazy anymore, but it like maybe a little bit crazy still. And then you're going to talk about honey. Right. Like, it's just, I'm sorry. That's just crazy. Honey, it's icing crazy. glass. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's crazy. In my, you know, that's, our, those, that's our thoughts. Yeah. Those are our opinions. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I share your opinions. I mean, I think it's great to know about all these things and yeah. make informed decisions. And it is sort of an interesting little internal exercise of, of you know, how perfect was I today? But it has to be internal. Mm. Yes. There you go. That's that is, perfect. That is perfect. It's not about projecting that onto everyone else. It's about yeah. living your best life. Yeah, that's that, that, that is that is put so well. Well, for me with the honey thing, it's really interesting because when I became vegan in 1983, that was during the time that the Vegan Society of the UK that basically was making the rules then, I think is still a lofty organization that is um, to be respected, but they were in one of their vegan definition periods when honey was left to individual conscience. And it was like that for over 20 years. Mm. And then they changed back and said, no, honey is vegan. <laughs> and to me, you know, honey is interesting. I'm actually going to have a vegan beekeeper on um, in about six weeks. And it'll be, we're going to listen to that one. That's gonna yeah, be it'll be fascinating to hear what one. he has to say, but yeah. I'm still uh, getting over Vatican too. I mean, I don't like it when people change the rules. <laughs> and so to me, you know, the honey thing is still individual conscience. And, and I so agree with you to just think what the world would be like if people weren't consuming meat, fish, eggs, and dairy. Oh, and, my and, God. And what, exactly. we, and what we found over and over and over again is we're, you know, like it's probably the same for you is we're encouraging people on every little or large step of their journey. And what happens when you encourage and uplift other people for every little positive move they make, you're showing your and, and and you don't make a big deal when they screw up. You you ignore it completely. You ignore it. You, you, ignore you it. show them like you show them this thing that they've never gotten before, which is really grace. You just accept them as they are, and you like I don't. We don't project onto anyone the vibe that that, that we feel. Jud there's no judgment. There's no judgment. There's no vibe that we feel they need to change. We accept them as a human being and we love them. And what happens when we do that? There's this magical thing that takes place and people just look inside and they're like, I want to become a better person. And then you see them just making leap after leap after leap. And you're like, dude, keep going. You're amazing. Yeah, oh, totally. I think he, he, he hit on something, which is this is something I mean, vegans really need to work on. And it's, it's something, you know, vegans and everyone wants to look outside and be like, you know, I need to change that person. I need to get that person to change. I need to get that person to change. And really, a lot of the stuff, it's, it goes on inside of you, and you need to do the work internally to get yourself to change, and you need to, need to be honest. And one of the things that I think we found is being honest with yourself, like when you're around someone who eats meat, are you judging them for eating meat? Because what we found is the more we can break away from judging someone for eating meat, the, the less we judge someone, the more that they want to change and go vegan. So it's like... It's this, it's, it's this, it's this weird thing. And it, and it comes from, it comes from being honest with yourself about, about the way you feel about a person when you're, when you're just interacting with them. Cause the way you feel about them, it's going to show through in the, your conversation, the, what you say, your body language. And they're going to, they're going to know it's like, they're going to intuitively know, you know, I'm getting a little foo foo -y, but like, you know, well, it's it true. And, 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 and I mean, this really comes, this comes from an interesting place for us. We've, we've come to this understanding because we've had a very 
you know, I'm 34, he's 30, about to turn 31. And we've had a full range of life with a lot of different experiences. And, you know, we grew up, like we said, what many would consider, you know, a quasi cult. And, you know, we dealt with a lot of shame, judgment, and we were, uh, we were emotionally manipulated and abused by the leadership at the, the church that we were at. We dealt with that stuff early in our lives and we know how much damage that does to others. And so when we have the opportunity, when we're in these leadership positions where we're, where we're going out of the world and we're trying to be the best versions of ourselves, but also trying to inspire others, like we understand how harmful that can be. And we just don't want to be purveyors of that. Well, that's really wise. And I see it in myself with people who are just starting or just a little bit interested or, oh my gosh, guess what? I ate vegan yesterday. I'm totally with you. And it's really easy to say, gosh, that's fabulous. You know who I have a hard time with? The ex-vegans. The people who had it and then didn't have it. And they either say, you know, I felt weak or it's uh, usually I got a new boyfriend and they don't say that. What what do you do with that? Are are you kind and open then to don't tell me you're kind and open all the time because then I'll feel bad. That is it, it, that is a little bit weird when, when someone's like an ex, especially when someone's an ex vegan and, and they're, they're like proud like, of it, like they're kind of preaching about you, it because you know you know. I mean, but the thing is, is like you want to try. To me, it's always important to understand where the other person is coming from. Yeah, it and is. Of course, it is. When when someone is like an ex vegan and they're like very vocal about it and they're like, you know, they're proud, they're proud of being an ex vegan. To me, what I see is I see with someone who's like, they, they know, they know what they're doing. They know, they know they were, they were probably very hardcore as a vegan and they're insecure about the fact that they're not living, they're not living up to their own values anymore. And they just want to, they just want to, they're, they're trying to convince themselves by telling the world, they're like, projecting, I'm proud of this. They're over projecting confidence, which shows inferiority and insecurity yeah. about it because you know, we know, like we believe we have this in, we have this truth that we believe is just inside of, inside yeah. of us and inside of everyone. And if you give people this time and space, they'll figure it out. Some people who have like gone back and forth, there's also this illusion, you know, people who have been vegan and then aren't, you know, they've fallen off for various reasons. You know, some of them, if they're saying they're not healthy, you know, like what are, what are, what are, it's like, there's a 99.9% chance that they were eating terribly. Yeah. And eating irresponsibly. It's right? like there's professional athletes who are vegan now. It's like, yeah. It's, that's not true. We like, can't point 2018. We can't point to the person who had disordered eating as yeah. a vegan and say like, oh, well, yeah, I guess vegans can't that be sense. healthy. It's like, just look at the world. I mean, yeah. every like Arnold Schwarzenegger, professional athletes, like everyone in between. Yeah. Um, but, um, but, but we will say like, we, we do think that looking inside of ourselves and looking inside of them is what we really find ourselves doing. And mm-hmm. If you understand where someone's coming from, a lot of times we don't need to, we don't, if we think through it, we don't need to be as combative as maybe we have been in the past or we felt, we felt that gut reaction to do because we can under, if we, if the more people feel understood by us, the more we can understand them and the more there's understanding. If we can help people move forward, we know that person who says they're priding themselves on how they used to be vegan and aren't anymore. We know the truth. Yeah. Yeah. They're going vegan again soon. Yeah, it's like it's like the, I mean, everyone's going vegan, so it's like that person's going to go vegan in time. And another thing, another thing that's also true is that when someone used to be vegan and then they're not anymore, they 
statistically, mm. they eat far less meat and animal products than someone who like had never tried being vegan in the first place. So there is, yeah. there still is, there's a, there's, there's, a, there's a slight silver lining. In there. Yeah. Yeah. There is. And I think we don't have to focus so much on each individual person. You know, if some person isn't vegan or isn't vegan anymore, we need to go on to the millions of people who have never looked at this and who might really want to do it pretty soon. So as we talk about acceptance, Matt, I know you lost a whole lot of weight. I lost a whole lot of weight. And there was a time when that was, you know, it was right up there in my bio and it was a big vegan kind of selling point. But now I kind of shy away from bringing it up because there's so much about not shaming people's bodies and things, which I totally, totally am on board with. I mean, I remember body shaming and it was horrible. But Mm. just because body shaming is wrong doesn't mean that obesity is a picnic. So how do you navigate that balance? That's that's well. I you know I want to start off by, by saying you know, I was one of those you know extremely like PC people who like you know it's like there's, someone's posting their body transformation photos and I'm thinking you know this is like I mean this is years ago and I'm thinking like you know I'm thinking that's like fat shaming. So he's like think, so he's thinking that about me probably. I was thinking that about he, he'd be posting his photos and I'm thinking that I'm judging him for doing it. So you know I come from that I, I'm I'm over that stuff now but that's that's the mindset I actually used to have. I helped him get over it. He did yeah. <laughs> but uh, no it's. Well, first of all, congrats, because I, you feel an instant, I mean, you know this, you feel an instant connection with someone who's shared the same or similar struggle. And mm-hmm. that's what it is. It's a struggle. And, you know, I, I did, I did do a post recently where I think it was, I think I did a post on Facebook and Instagram. And I just basically said, I had this realization and I said, I said, obese for me, obesity was a gift. And what I mean by that is, listen, obesity is terrible. Obesity, like put me in depression. I, 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 I had a cycle of just emotionally eating over and over again. I would just be alone in my room, just dreading life. I went to the doctor when I was 20 and I was diagnosed with prehypertension and told that I needed to go on blood pressure medication. Don't tell me that I, that I was leading a happy, healthy life. Don't do that. But we should not shame anyone who's been there because I've been there. And, and, I, the, the, the way I got, the way I got through it was by finding, by finding hope, by building confidence, by looking inside of myself and figuring out who I was. And during that weight loss process, life just started to blossom for me. So I really like you feel, I, I, I understand what you're saying about that culture, but for me, what I can do is I can tell my story because no one can own my story. I own my story. If somebody wants to, if somebody wants to tell me that my story is somehow shaming, they're just wrong. They're shaming and, they're, and their opinion of my story is none of my business. As uh, Ooh, as Bishop good. as Bishop TD Jakes would say, that's one of my favorite quotes from him. People's opinions of me is none of my business. Um, but the, I mean, uh, like straight up, Victoria, you might have this experience. Oh, being an being obese for most of my life. I was obese until I was twenty one. That, that crafted me in, I, I mean, I would not, it sounds so weird to say, but I would not change it for anything because it's given me, it's, it's, it's such a big part of who I am today and how I'm able to interact with the world and how I'm able to potentially influence others and, and have my own confidence and own feeling of that I can have an impact on the world because I did something that 
if I didn't do something, I would have been in the grave by, by age 30. Now I'm, now I'm able to like live out my passions on a daily basis. So, and it was the catalyst. I mean, it was, it looks like it's just this outer transformation where, oh, he just lost weight. He lost 100 pounds and like he looks, he looks better or something. But no, like that's, that's just the surface. I mean, this was a catalyst for a life transformation in every area of his life. I mean, he's, he's transformed because it started, it started with weight loss, but then it, it seeped in because everything's connected. So it seeped into every area of his life and he's, just, and he's still experiencing, experiencing radical transformations like to this day. And it started there. Started with weight loss. It's crazy. That is so cool. You guys seem like you really get along. So how did you end up partnering together and what's your business relationship like? Well, so I I started out or you know, before back before we partnered together, I was you know, I, I was like a I was an activist, you know, I was like a typical, you know, typical, kind of like, a, I guess I don't want to say typical animal activist, but, you know, I worked and volunteered for vegan outreach, the Humane League, Mercy for Animals. Um, I basically lived out of a car for four years, sleeping on people's floors every night. And, uh, you know, I handed out hundreds of thousands of leaflets on college campuses. Uh, I organized hundreds of protests. I did probably like 500 or 600 interviews on mainstream media. Um, so I did all this stuff. And I got to this point where I was like, I, I like, you know, I, I don't want to say I was getting burned out, but I, I wanted to do something more, do something different. Do, I wanted to do more. I was trying to figure it out. And during that time, you know, Matt, I was going through, I was going through a bit of a similar thing for myself. So, you know, you, you had just alluded to the fact that I had lost a hundred pounds. I lost a hundred pounds while in college. And then I started really developing this, this feeling that I wanted to have an, a bigger impact on the world and I wanted to do something significant with my life and fitness just, I was in the gym, you know, five to seven days a week and fitness was just this thing. Like it had, it had transformed me inside and out so much that I wanted to share it with the world. And so what I did is after college, I ended up opening, I ended up opening a gym uh, near our hometown uh, where we, where we uh, graduated from high school in Michigan and it was just crazy successful, like right out the gate. Like it was insane success. It was a wild. It was a wild trip. I mean, it, you know, being being able to do that shortly after college, and then what I did is I opened a second gym, and then I opened a third gym. And during that time, I also became a certified personal trainer and began working with clients and just really connecting with people. But I also got to a point where. Um, where I was growing, I was reading a lot during this time, listening to podcasts and just growing as a person. And Phil and I just got to this point where we felt, we both felt in our individual lives that we were kind of reaching the limit of where, where things could take us. And we wanted to, we wanted to shift to something bigger. That's where it started. That's so cool. So Matt, when you said fitness transformed you inside and out, how did it transform you inside? Well, you know, when, when you're, when you're, you know, 19, 20, I'll just give you a, a run through of my day. When I, my first year of college, I commuted, I commuted to Eastern Michigan university and, and was living at my parents for the first year of college. And it was about a 40 minute commute every morning at about seven o'clock. I would spring through the McDonald's drive through. I would order two breakfast bagel sandwiches, uh, two hash browns and an extra large soda or orange juice at lunch. I would get uh, like probably six to eight tacos from Taco Bell, an extra large soda at, at work. I worked at the mall. I would get, uh, I would get like this massive cheesesteak and these ma this massive thing of fries. And then at home I would eat 
another meal and I would eat like one or two frozen pizzas. Possibly that night at about 1130, I would go back to Taco Bell to the drive through and get six more tacos. That was that was my life. Like I was depressed. I, I, I ate my feelings. I put on this funny fat kid persona. And really what that is, and I think a lot of people who have struggled with obesity, some of them know this defense mechanism. Basically, you're just tr- – when you go into a group of people, you're just like trying to be funny as fast as possible so that – you make some jokes to deflect from the fact that you're really fat and you feel like people might make fun of you. Because in third grade, I got called fatso for the first time and it continued. So for me, fitness and nutrition just completely – it sounds to people who don't understand it, it sounds like such a surfacey physical thing. And it's not at all. It is probably the single most internal transformation that I ever went about because when you go from being somebody who is obese and, and pre hypertension and should be on blood pressure medication to being someone who is in peak health and actually, actually for the first time in their life feels empowered and feels attractive and likes who they are. That's that's a spiritual transformation. So that's and physical and and it's, you know you know what I mean. That's everything. And it's also the you know it has to do with like as you know as you transform you you begin caring less what other people think of you. Mm. So that's so huge. That, that's that's huge. what debilitates. That's, that's what debilitates all of us in life being so concerned with others think about us. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, you guys seem to be pretty good at not worrying about that. Uh, <laughs> For what I've seen of your work, now, you've had a lot of success. I mean, online, you've had a lot of traditional media attention. And a lot of people who listen to this program are vegans and they're in business or they're activists or they've got some kind of project or something that they want to get out there in a big way. Can you help? I mean, I think I think for us, one of the, the main things that we've learned, you know, especially in recent times, but. I mean, this has been a, a, a long, you know, years and years and years in the making. It's just like staying focused. It's not getting hung up on like, I need media attention or I need this or I need that. And it's like, this is how I should, this is how I proved to myself that I'm successful. It's like staying focused. It's like, what is your purpose? What is your mission? And what is your goal? And like looking to that, to that, your goal, your purpose, your mission, that is your guide in everything you do. And when you keep your focus there and you don't lose sight and you don't let, you know, this person pull you this in this direction, or you don't like get caught up in like, Oh, I need this many followers on social media, or I need like, you know, this person's approval, or I need to get in this media outlet. Everything just starts when you stay focused on your mission, everything starts falling into place. And we're starting to see that hardcore, you know, right now. But, uh, you know, I know, like, I don't know if that answers the question, but that, that could be a slight, you know, for some people that could be slightly frustrating. Yeah. Um, and what we found is we've done a lot of different things and we've tried a lot of different things and along our journey, the 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 thing that resonates most with us is our mission. Every time we have screwed up, we can come back to our mission and it guides us forward. And when you you, when you keep your mission, when you keep dedicated and disciplined on your mission for like, we're now, you know, with vegan bros, we're coming up on four years but we're, of dedication to our mission. It's been something that's been a part of our lives for a while. Yeah. Um, I mean, since Philip, you know, 14 years ago with, with Phil, we've stayed passively, but for the past four years, primarily dedicated to this mission. And what happens is the world starts to come uh, the world starts to come to your side basically and let you pass because they feel the energy that you're putting out. And if it's positive energy, the universe wants that. 
Everybody wants that. So what we've noticed is that when you are mission oriented, people begin to feel it. And then, then like things like media and things like that come out of it. Yeah, and yeah. it's not to say that you can't use like good marketing tactics yeah, and different yeah, things like that. Sure. Cause those things are, when you're mission oriented, you can use those things and they're going to work for you better. But so many people, especially in this instant gratification age where it's getting more and more instant gratification, people just want it now, but they don't even know what they want. And that's the key. Know what you want. Go inside, spend time with yourself, read 300 books, <laughs> listen to as many podcasts, listen to Victoria Moran show every day. And you're going to, you're going to yeah. find who you are and why you're here. Yeah. And I think it's also about being yourself. Like for you guys, you're, you're unique and you use your youth, you use your masculinity, you use your, your histories, which are a little bit different in terms of how you came to veganism and somebody else could copy that or borrow it and it wouldn't work because it's not theirs. Oh, exactly. You hit the That's nail, huge. You, you hit the nail right on the head. And I, what I think is, so there's a lot of, I mean, it, it, this is in like every industry and just across, you know, all, all over in, in life is like, there's someone, someone achieves some level of success in an industry. And then all of a sudden you have just like, you know, co- you know, copycats popping up all over, all over the place, trying to copy what the other person's doing. And I think that there is value in that to a degree. I, I think one of the first steps Robert Greene talks about in his book, uh, Mastery, which, I mean, if you read any, read any, book, any book by Robert Greene is just amazing. But uh, he talks about like one of like, the, I think it's like the first step to mastery is, you know, do like you do what you like, find an apprentice or become an apprentice, do like an apprenticeship where it's like you're, you're apprenticing under someone who this person's like an expert in, in the field. So like in, in regards to like veganism or entrepreneurship or whatever, find, find like an apprentice, someone who's an expert, learn from them. And you skyrocket your, your learning for a period of, for a period of time, you know, one year, two years, three years, whatever, where you're learning under this, per, under this person or these people, where a lot of people like fall short is they, they get to the, the end of their apprenticeship or they get to the end where they, you know, they've learned all the stuff that these people are, te- these experts are teaching. And then they just fall into the, you know, fall in, fall in line and they just fall into the, you know, the, this is the standard way of doing things here. And they, they stay in the copycat phase. But once you get to the, the, the high level, the high level phase where you're like, you know, you now know everything, you know, everything that they've taught you. Now you can go and you can start, you can start now you forging, you start forging your own yeah. path and you start doing your own thing. But a lot of people, you know, that's kind of a scary thing. Cause you're, you're going to ruffle some feathers. You know, people might not like that. You're taking a very hard line stance saying like, we should, we shouldn't care about honey or we shouldn't be so dogmatic or we shouldn't be, you know, all the, all these things. Um, but when you're when you're an expert and when you're focused on your mission and you, and you're owning and you're 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 empowered by who you are as an individual, you are not detracted by haters. You are matter. actually propelled by haters. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. when you know yourself, nothing else matters. When you know yourself, everything's going to work out. I love that. You, you, Ingrid Newkirk from PETA has said something similar, only she says it with a British accent, so it's always really nice. But something <laughs> like just don't let attacks wear you down almost with that little sense of oh no that means somebody's watching <laughs> you're doing it right yeah. now we we have two minutes and now we have this new system at unity online radio where they will absolutely just stop letting us talk <laughs> i mean we will be gone forever so yes. i do want to get in the book is vodka is vegan 
almost out. Pre-order. Pre-order at your indie bookstore, AmazonBN.com, whatever. Get yourself in line for this book. And pre-orders are important because they get buzz going. The website, VeganBros.com, Facebook, Vegan Bros Official. And they're Vegan Bros all over everywhere. And I will put that on the show notes at MainStreetVegan.net. You just click on the word podcast, not the picture, and you'll get a drop down. And show notes is one of the things that you can see dropped. So one minute. What's the future of veganism? I mean, it's taken, I mean, to us, we see it taking over and we see it blasting off to the, we've seen it blasting off to the stratosphere over the last several years, several years, but really, I mean, in the last year, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's, been it's accelerating in a massive way. And we really feel like, you know, our book has been this culmination of really, it's a culmination of everything in the movement and everything we've learned up until this point. And this book is also the jumping off point for taking vegan world domination to the stratosphere. And it's accelerating rapidly. The billionaires are on board now. Like the, the pastors are on board now. The stay at home moms are on board now. The investment bankers, like See, even military, everybody, even the CEO of, uh, or even Tyson foods has begun investing in plant-based, you know, plant-based foods. And also another thing I want to add is we're, we're, you know, we're, we're not talking about it yet or discussing it yet, but we're launching a new company in September that we're really excited about. <laughs> well, I'm sure it will be extremely successful because that seems to be the way everything is that you guys touch. So thank you for writing a book that has just made me really happy. I also want to send out thanks to my new assistant, Joe Lee, because I have her. I was able to read your book all the way through, which is a wonderful thing. So all the best with the book launch and everything else that you guys are up to. And to listeners, some things going on next week. Oh, my gosh. We have two amazing women. Liz D, a vegan lady boss, and da-da, Ivana Lynch. Yes, Luna Lovegood from Harry Potter herself charming young Irish lass, fabulous actress, fabulous activist. Thanks to Unity Online Radio and God bless you everyone. Eat all your veggies. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. We talk to the animals and we know you can too. On the Animal Communication Podcast hosted by the three of us, myself, Julie Heert, Aaron Dendy Smith, and Meredith Tolleson. We will show you how to deepen your relationship with your beloved animal companions, whether they're alive or in spirit. As soul-level animal communicators, we explain the process and explore topics such as health, behavior, and play, all from the animal's perspective. So subscribe and follow us on Apple, Spotify, and listen as part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.